Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. Nope. It's means in context. No, it's not. <laughs> is it not? It's what it is in context. Let's keep this in and people can <laughs> see that we actually have been on break. <laughs> um, as always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. All right, so what are we talking about on the podcast this week? My top surgery again. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thought you'd get away from it. No, never, never. All right, so what What exactly about your top surgery are we talking about? We're basically just doing uh, about a six-month, seven-month, seven-and-a-half-month update. It was going to be a six-month update, but my six-month line was like mid-December, and we are now rapidly approaching february so you know <laughs> actually i believe this is going to come out on february 1st so so we are in fact in february so yeah about seven and a half month update i feel like people typically do six month updates six months is usually the last time you have to do a like check-in with your doctor mm-hmm. it's for depending on like how serious you're being about scar care six months is when you get all of the restrictions taken off. Mm. I mean, I haven't had restrictions on my movement since like five weeks, but that's me. <laughs> I wasn't very like, not that I wasn't serious in an unhealthy way, but I wasn't serious about the aesthetics of scar care. Right. If you're really worried about scar stretching and your goal is to not have visible scars, often that means that there's a lot more like, don't lift your elbows above your shoulders as much as you can help it for like up to six months. Wow. So yeah, that wasn't my route. <laughs> We'll dive more into that, I'm sure. Um, If you want, if you are a new listener, I know that we got a lot of listeners post L's top surgery saga. Welcome. This must be such, so exciting for this to be a new topic for you to hear about. (laughs) Um, People who have been with me since the beginning, thank you for still listening. (laughs) So um, L's top surgery journey has been a running theme about us it's a series i think we they call those series on podcasts i think so so you can go back and listen to them um we did an introductory thing to non-binary top surgery as a concept l's consult is an episode yeah. we did like voice memos while i was actually not like literally while i was getting the surgery but before and after yes. the surgery i would if you're actually planning on getting top surgery i would trend towards the the latter of those like the consult and the actual surgery um, podcast. I think we had two episodes of that. If you are not planning on getting top surgery, but you're just kind of interested in the concept of non-binary top surgery, the episode that is, I believe, titled Non-Binary Top Surgery is more for you. Yeah. The I think there's about three episodes. That is the console and the two that were actually while I was getting my surgery mm-hmm. that are kind of like 
everybody should listen to all of our episodes, obviously. Go binge it. But they're definitely uh, more relevant if you are like planning to get top surgery. I made them as resources for people who were planning to get top surgery. Right. Or we made them. I, I wanted to create them as resources. <laughs> we made them together, but it was your experience. Yeah. So, you know. All right. So six-ish month <laughs> consult. What? So this is a seven and a half month update for our listeners, but it's based on your actual six month check-in with your doctor, right? Or like roughly so? Roughly so. I would say because I was like lucky and had a great surgeon and et cetera, et cetera. I didn't really have any concerns going into my six month mm-hmm. check-in. I actually, the way that they do it at the gender confirmation center, it gets a little bit confusing, but every, all of the check-ins that are after your one week after you get your drains out, which is usually about two weeks after mm-hmm. your actual surgery, everything after that is um, entirely online and you just send in photos and you like, right, if you have any concerns and there's like a little survey that you have to fill out that's like, are you feverish? And you're like, no. So it's not like time-based. You just have to do it like approximately around the date. And I forgot to do my six-month one for like mm, like a week or two. So mm-hmm. that just like really illuminates my lack of concern because I felt yeah. physically fine. Like I didn't feel like I still needed to be checking in with a doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. And of course, that process varies depending on your doctor. Yeah. I, I think that especially if you have a doctor who is more... um accustomed to doing local surgeries because like the gender confirmation clinic is kind of cutting edge which has its own pros and cons i don't mean like (laughs) dr fakeway is the best surgeon everybody else is scrubs that's not what i'm trying to say but people do travel a lot for to go to the gender confirmation clinic right and so i think most of their procedures are really set up around the idea that you're not going to be in san francisco uh for more than two weeks at most i was there for 10 days And so maybe if you had like more of a local surgeon who maybe doesn't specialize specifically in like gender conforming top surgeries and therefore doesn't get a ton of people traveling to them because there aren't enough surgeons who specialize in gender confirming top surgeries, then it's possible that you might go in, especially for the earlier ones, maybe go in for the month's checkup. I don't know if you'd go in for the six month, like, but maybe like that might be easier. Also, like depending on your concern level, you know, like if you either have some sort of complication in your in your healing that is putting your healing back a little bit or if you were just an anxious person and you want to like actually talk to somebody both are valid and i think that if i'd been either in either of those situations i could have like talked to somebody directly probably not dr fakeway but like somebody at the gender confirmation clinic and i do know also that if you have complications because you can have like i think they're called hematomas basically where you have blood gathering underneath your incisions where there shouldn't be blood (laughs) because those are like relatively common uh issues that like aren't a long-term issue but they just make the first like month or two of your recovery process Mm -hmm. more complicated if you have any of those issues i was at least told that dr fakeway would like coordinate care with somebody that was local to me that makes um, sense because like i wouldn't be expected like (laughs) can you imagine if we had to like randomly stay in san francisco for another three weeks or something the budget could not have dealt with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we couldn't have made that work. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So the the main, so what I'm gathering from what you're saying is that this, you're getting to the point where your follow-ups are basically, hey, just checking in. You're not in 
danger. Yeah. Like, your health is you're stable. Good. Right? And, like, any concerns, like, again, because I think there's two ways for that. Like, first off, yes, like, you're not in danger. Your health is, is stable. Like, hematomas, while they're not a huge deal, you can't, like, they do need to be medically attended. Right. Um, at some point, you stop having things that need to be medically attended, you know? Right. I had a couple of issues with undissolved stitches that can need to be medically attended. I took care of it, though. Yeah, we took care of it. It didn't end up needing to be medically attended. Um, but if you leave them forever, they probably can get infected. You know, probably, probably. not the ideal. Not to flex, but I did take care of that. It was pretty uh, pretty cool of me. She also almost passed out I trying did to take care of it. Out. I almost did. It I was did. really <laughs> not that bad. Josie just has her own set of issues. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> but so at some point, though, you're done with things like that. You're done mm-hmm. with like, uh, there appears to be a piece of plastic sticking out of my body. Do I need to do something about that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then past that point, I think that some people continue to have like concerns. Like I mentioned, one of the big ones for a lot of people is aesthetics around the scars, wanting to make sure they're mm-hmm. doing everything to prevent stretching and prevent hematomas and prevent quote-unquote discoloration and if you have concerns like that you might be more interested in check-ins to be like do these scars look like they are on the road to fading do these scars Mm. look like they are stretched do these scars blah 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 then at some point you stop having those concerns too hopefully hopefully or at the very least, after like a good long while, like a year or two, those stop being concerns for a surgeon and they start being concerned for a therapist, mm-hmm. you know, like at yeah. some point they just or, I mean, moved outside the realm of your surgeon's expertise. Right. And I mean, like part of the reason that you might move outside the realm of your surgeon's expertise is because your scars do fade. Yeah. And like you don't see them anymore or they're only visible in like certain parts of your chest that aren't like normally visible to. Right. Yeah. So. Or also you become more comfortable with the fact that your body wasn't born this way hopefully hopefully that would be my goal if i were say your therapist (laughs) but yeah for one reason or another also just like my guess is in general for a healthy psyche you don't stay stressed about things that long you know uh over the course of like years so i think the longest i've ever heard of anybody still interacting with their surgeon is like a year out and that makes sense because i think to your point like gender affirming surgeries are like really powerful transformational tools in someone's mm-hmm. life like it's so cool like yeah like you like l across like, the table from me right now. Love them. It, you are so cool for having looked at your body and said this could be better and then like done like like took steps to do something that aligned you more with your internal yeah. experience yeah that is so cool and i can understand why some people would have long-term stresses about making sure that mm-hmm. that went correctly and yeah. there does come a point where that stops being a physician's thing. Well, and, and that's the thing is people also like scar dysphoria for like post any type of tops mm-hmm. uh, or any type of gender affirming surgery. It's not always scars, but dysphoria surrounding the fact that a surgically created gendered piece of your body isn't exactly identical in every single way to your idea of the cis version of that body that you've re-entered the realm of dysphoria which again like, right and that's super 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 valid one of my favorite uh queer online people they mm-hmm. were originally a youtuber uh her name was ash they use all pronouns and he had super bad scar dysphoria like mm-hmm. really bad and that can like really fuck with the beauty of right. getting a gender confirmate con- confirming surgery and it's real and valid and to the point of the six-month consult idea it ceases to be something that a surgeon can help you right with. exactly um but you know you can find other avenues for that 
Right. So, yeah. Unless, mm-hmm. of course, what you need from your surgeon is actually another surgery, which brings us full circle back to my experience, which is that I am now going through the process again. Y'all, I feel like it's literally like I feel like I'm making the first episode of this podcast series because I had to talk to my therapist and get a new letter and I had to take a bunch oh of photos right. <laughs> and I'm literally setting up another consult with Dr. Fakeway because I need a revision. Um, I think the fact that I had to get a new letter is so funny, um, that I have to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria for my, I have dog ears, which if you're not familiar are, um, anytime dog ears are like not specific to top surgeries, Mm -hmm. anytime that you remove a fatty piece of the body, um, and then sew the body back up, there's a, like, there's a chance that the edges of the um, scars, or in my beautiful language that I just used, sewing back up, uh, kind of puckers because, like, there used to be more mass there, and now there's too much skin, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it puckers a little bit, and similar to, like, hematomas. I hope I'm saying the right word on that. <laughs> <laughs> but similar, like, there are just certain things that, like, sometimes you can do, you can do things to prevent them, but they, like, still happen. Dog right. ears are one of those. Right. <laughs> so. And Aesthetically, they're just they just kind of look like skin folds. I yeah, mean, they're not even that. Your, yours are really not dramatic. Mine are very very small. The thing that bothers so it, I'm trying to like describe this. If you can imagine where top surgery scars go from like the middle of the chest, all kind of like to the, underneath the armpit. Mm-hmm. At the underneath the armpit ends of my scars, I have like little folds, like little bumps. Yeah. If you've never interacted with a real person with top surgery scars, they go back a lot farther than you think. Yeah, that's true. That's and they, a fact. They go they, like fully behind to the back of the armpit. Yeah, then they kind of curl up right at the end and it's right. As right. I say, if you if you lift up your arms, you know how the armpit is like a little divot and there's like a little bump on the back of the armpit, like below and back. That's kind of where the top surgery scars end mm-hmm. and where there's little bumps on me now. Yeah. Did I manage to say this? The only thing that actually bothers me about them, mine are very small. And if my arms are all the way up or all the or like if my elbows are all the way up or elbows are all the way to my side, you can't see them. But I can feel them mm-hmm. on the under part of my upper arm just because they like they don't sit exactly quote unquote right. They don't sit like my body yeah. feels like my body should sit because they're being like poked up by the tension from my scar. And it bothers me that I can feel them. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah. And like, maybe someday, if in years from now, you had that for the for a long time, you would cease to notice it because it would become yeah. more normalized for your body. But we have access to the surgeon again. Yes. So we can just get it corrected and not worry about it. Yeah, exactly. And really, dog ears are like pretty much the only revision that I've personally heard of happening on any sort of regular basis Mm -hmm. you can also get revisions if you get nipple grafts i know that there are certain revisions that can be done to nipple grafts sometimes stretch a little bit or they like don't i don't know sometimes they're not exactly perfect you can get small revisions to fix those you can actually and this goes back to scar dysphoria there are ways if you if your scars um I hate that the only language I can come up with is, like, scar badly, because, like, I actually like my scars being super visible and Mm -hmm. have always wanted my scars to do what would be perceived as, like, scarring badly. 
again, not from a health perspective, but just from a aesthetics perspective. Scarring noticeably? Yeah, noticeably. But if they are raised or larger than you'd like, there are also revisions like much further down the line. I believe that can reduce the scars themselves. Interesting. Which I don't know what that looks like. I've just seen... People talk about it yeah, on the internet. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. you know, don't don't take my word for it. But yeah, I think that's another revision. It is really interesting that so many of these revisions, as they exist, are just like they they don't apply to you at all because the nipple graft you didn't get nipples. Uh, I nope. think. I mean, I think that you've mentioned several times that you have that you did not get nipples, but we can we can make it official here on Gender Diaries if you haven't if you if <laughs> it hasn't I, been. I have. I am a nippleless being. <laughs> yes, Elle has no nipples. It's tight as hell. Um, and like you said, your scars—you wanted your scars to be visible. Yeah. You wanted to be able to look at your body and see those scars. And so, like, besides the dog ears, like the and that's like a really—it's a minor. I don't think you have to go under for it usually. Yeah, I don't either. I. It's, Although, I mean, we're not medical professionals, so, but... Yeah, continue. yeah. No, we're not medical professionals, so I don't know. I know that, like, if the dog ears are, like, quote-unquote minor enough, you don't have to go under. It can be done under local anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how they define minor. Of course, my brain is just, like, big versus small, but I imagine that there are probably some aspects of, like, how the dog ear intersects mm-hmm. with, like, the actual scar tissue. Right. I don't know. I'll let you know when I finally manage to schedule my fucking consult again. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of wild that the process has to happen kind of just like from almost from scratch. It's basically from scratch. Again, yeah. I had to get a revised letter. That's the part that just destroys me. I mean, also, if you're new here, I'm also training to be a professional counselor. So mm-hmm. I have a lot of feelings about things like this. A lot of feelings. And so... <laughs> The whole letter thing is based on this idea that you have to be diagnosed by a medical professional with gender dysphoria, which like, we're not going to go into why that's problematic. Do we have an episode on that? We should if we don't. I don't think we do, but we should have one. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So it's problematic. We're not going to dive into it right now, but... It's uh, a whole episode. We don't have time for a whole episode in an episode. (laughs) However, but like it's based on this idea that like maybe you're not dysphoric. You're just like, you're just like something else and you need a medical professional to give you a stamp of approval that you are in fact dysphoric. But like now I need a medical professional uh, to give me a stamp of approval to what? Like what is my therapist giving me a stamp of approval for this time? It's a revision for a surgery that I've already gotten. I don't have gender dysphoria about my dog years. Like, is that what we're saying? It's absurd. <laughs> but you still, I mean, you you absolutely deserve to have it corrected. Right. Like, but it's just so, I, I, this is just, this is just a rant. This is the, this is, this is real. This is the real update. This is the emotions I've been dealing with. It's just annoying. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. You're well on your way to getting that revision, though. I mean, I it's one yeah. of those things where it sucks that it is a whole process, but you're yeah. you're gonna get there. Yeah, I'll get there. Um, but beyond the dog years, mm-hmm. how do you feel about your results? Yo, I love my results. Yeah, I feel like I went through like excitement slash fear all mm-hmm. the way leading up to the surgery, and then like distraction by physical things because like I didn't feel a lot of emotions in the first week because I was mm-hmm. just like healing and like being okay and like forcing myself to eat blueberries and yogurt at two in the morning (laughs) and then I went through some emotions of like being afraid that I wasn't gonna be happy enough or like being afraid that like remember this or being afraid that I would regret it even though I had no feelings of regret but just Mm -hmm. like 
because there's so many like things people say about people who get top surgery right yeah so i was then like more interacting with like my fear of what i would feel than like what i was feeling and i feel like that stuck with me for a couple of months like longer than i would have Mm -hmm. really known and like at the time i was also experiencing a lot of joy and was really happy with my top surgery but like the joy was like kind of intermittent and it was like really complicated by a lot of other stuff Mm -hmm. and then I was able to, like, get back into things that I love. I was able to get back into yoga, which was a huge part of it for me. Yeah. I, I actually remember the first time you did yoga post-top surgery, because, like, it was once your your scars were firmed up enough that you could actually do it. Yeah. And you, like, I, I don't remember if you cried, but you were very happy about it. Was it was lovely. Because like, also yoga was, like, I, I never really identified with the term dysphoria, despite the fact that I now have to legally. But... <laughs> Yoga and, like, exercise were some of the times that I would actually feel dysphoric, which, like, I don't know. I never, Again, I never really identified with dysphoria as a term, but... There were aspects of your experience that echoed those of people who might have dysphoria? Yeah, I was very uncomfortable around my chest during exercise yeah. for a variety of intersecting reasons. Yeah, and so I was able to get back into those things. But also, most importantly, I feel like around, like three or four months after top surgery, um, top surgery stopped being the most important thing that was happening in like my life, but also your life and also like the podcast, like everything (laughs) I was doing was like literally for like, for like four months, like the month leading up to top surgery. And then like the three months afterwards, like everything was about my top surgery, you know, like things were just very like, even not like obviously in the big ways, in terms of, like, planning and, mm-hmm. like, physically recovering, but also in, like, ways that you wouldn't think of. Because, like, even things like, oh, like, I'm wearing this, sh- this shirt for the first time, or, like, I'm going swimming for the first time without mm-hmm. a shirt on. Like, exciting things, but very, like, yeah, big. There was the whole process when we were, we went up to my family's lake house over the summer. Yeah. And, like, it, there was the whole process of, like, I mean, telling people. Like reminding them, like, hey, this is happening. This is this is happening. Oh, just got top surgery. You're gonna get to see the results. Isn't that exciting? But also, don't be weird. Yeah. And like, no one was weird. Nobody's weird. And it was, it was cool. really awesome. And you got to experience that. And we did a really great uh, non-binary bathing suits episode onwards. <laughs> we did go down to switch, get, scroll on down the feed, go to swimsuits. It was, I think, our last one. Before, no, no, gender children. So it's our last one before a hiatus. But but like all of that is so like. it's like in those situations like yes I was having my own emotions I was having my own fear I was having my own excitement I was having my own emotions but I was really having those emotions like in really big context that wasn't able to be escaped in terms of like living in a transphobic world like like this being a first thing like am I excited enough is this justifying my top surgery am I happy enough like like so many big questions that were like really imposed Mm -hmm. by society Mm -hmm. and like I should be more excited. I should be more scared. Like, whatever. Just, like, a lot of that. And I feel like four or five or six months, somewhere in that, I mean, it's hard to put an exact line to it, right? But, like, somewhere in that time frame, that stuff started to not matter as much. Like, I, I could finally just, like, exist as somebody who had had top surgery. Like, that takes several months to, like, get to, which is not something that I really conceptualized. Like, yeah. it's kind of obvious, right? Like, yeah. Mm. But... I also, a piece of this for me, and then, okay, okay, something about me, and this is, like, related to a bunch of stuff that I'm not going to go into right now, but I think that I really struggle to, like, reclaim Mm -hmm. pieces of my physical self when they have been recently, like, medicalized. So, like, top surgery being an obvious example, I also think about 
dentistry. Like it takes me like several weeks after I go to the dentist to be like, not do everything that I do with my mouth in like fear that it will mess up my dentist like work. Mm. Like when you're at the dentist, your mouth is like property of your dentist, right? Like you're like, you're doing your thing. I'm chilling. That feeling like really extends for me though. So it was like several months. Like it wasn't until like four or five months after my top surgery that I like really like felt comfortable like touching my scars, like feeling like I wasn't going to hurt them, like washing them with my normal soap, putting normal lotion on them. Like I, I was like still very like excessively careful with them yeah in ways that like not that like being excessively careful with your scars four to five months out is bad because that's fine but like in ways that didn't line up with how i was like actually thinking about them like i felt like i had to or like dr faco would like come and yell at me for fucking up his work this is deeply rooted in trauma we're just not diving (laughs) into it (laughs) if you're like wow i'd have the exact same thing I suggest thinking about why you might have that. Yeah. (laughs) But so I think that was a huge part too, is I was like, oh, this is just like, it's just my body now. This is just the body, you know? And that allowed me to have like this new and very exciting type of joy that's just like passive joy. Just like when I take a shower, I'm like, oh, I love the way my chest looks. Because also like, if you've been listening since the beginning, you know that I got like a kind of like, non-standard, non-masculinizing, not perfectly flat top surgery. And as far as I know, it feels very unique. So I'm always like very like, I'm just so happy with like what Dr. Fakeway did and like how my chest looks. I think it looks so good. Yeah. And again, just like this like passive, like I just get to be like, oh yeah, that's nice. Or like I have a bag that's like crossbody that was always a pain to wear when I had titties. And like, maybe it wasn't actually a pain to wear when I had titties. But like, again, it was one of those moments when I was suddenly very uncomfortable with my titties. And now I can just like throw it on and it doesn't have to be like a big deal. I don't have to like be like, am I excited enough about this? I could just be like, oh, that feels nice. That fits well. Yeah. (laughs) And that's been kind of like, that's the big change that happened around six months for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think too of like when you really started to realize how much you liked wearing t-shirts. Yeah. And like. Also, the the weird learning curve when you realize that some of the clothes that you owned were specifically, like, to hide your chest, and now you no longer needed those clothes, and they didn't fit you right anymore, and you were like, huh. (laughs) Yeah, my closet definitely is still in, like, a... We're getting there. Flux. Yeah. We're getting there. But that's also, like, complicated by other things other than just top surgery. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm really glad to hear that you are so happy. I mean, I know you're happy with your results, but it makes me happy to hear. But you're speaking for the people who I presume are also happy for me. Yes. And if you're wondering, L scars are hot as hell. Like they just like. (laughs) Like if you were, if you were concerned. (laughs) If you're curious, L looks really good. Um, And I mean, I'm just, I'm really glad that this went so. Yeah so much the way you want it to. I feel like we had a pretty solid confidence that your scars were going to look the way that you wanted them to because you didn't really worry too much about them stretching or wobbling, but there was like... Okay, that's really bold, though, because I went into surgery not knowing if they would connect and chop off my tattoo or not. That's true. And um, so I don't feel like I felt confident. That's fair. <laughs> I also went through the entire first phase of my recovery thinking that they connected and had chopped off my tattoo <laughs> uh, until I got my drains out and come to find they weren't connected and they didn't chop off my tattoo. <laughs> Which was very funny. 
But yeah, I mean, I, I more meant the coloration of them because yeah. we mentioned in like an early, early episode that you scar really, really easily and that <laughs> your scars are very visible. I turn all sorts of colors all the time. I'm translucent flavor of white man. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just, I, I'm just really happy that like, it really does. It feels like you are, that you got what you needed and- uh-huh. You will continue to get what you need because yeah, you can get you you deserve that revision. But yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is this. You might have thought this was like the end episode of the series, but you would have been wrong because we will be coming to you with updates on the revision. <laughs> we will indeed. It will probably be a whole uh, thing of on its own. I will probably record my consult with Doctor Fakeway for my revision, mm-hmm. but. I doubt we'll make it into an episode because I doubt it'll be that exciting. I'll record yeah. it just on the off chance that it is, but. If you are if you are considering revisions for dog ears and you are particularly interested, hit me up and I will figure out what it looks like to give you all of the resources independently without filling up everybody else's feed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have any other thoughts on your top surgery? Do you have any other any anything else that stands out as being exciting or scary or fun or? Interesting. Mm, we need to do an episode on the DSM gender dysphoria diagnosis. I think I have it in, in our list of upcoming topics of okay. why the DSM is bullshit, I think is what I titled it. But you know, we'll find out <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, no. I mean, like I said, like I'm finally reaching this point where it's kind of just like a normal thing. Yeah. Just the top surgery is normal and my love for the top surgery is also normal and it's a lot of fun. That makes me so happy. If this episode is a little bit shorter than normal, I invite... Everybody can go do what I'm about to do, which is go play Pokemon Arceus. <laughs> it's a good game. <laughs> it's y'all. Can I just do a small plug about Pokemon Arceus? I mean, sure. I don't know if it'll make the episode but go. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But look, if you're like me and you really like Pokemon and you bought Pokemon Pearl, the Diamond and Diamond remake, and it was absolute shit. And then you're like, do I really want Pokemon Arceus? Because like, they haven't had their shit together. Go buy it. That's my full statement. Go buy it. I've been paying it for like 48 hours. Josie had to tear me away to do this episode. (laughs) Nintendo, give us money. We are not sponsored. Yeah, if only. If Pokemon sponsored me, I would drop out of school. I'd be like, this is my new life. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think it's where we're going to wrap it up this week on Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Or playing Pokemon. Or that too. Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon.